Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, here with Donna Lee, my co-host. Hey, happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday, happy Sunday. We're going to continue uh, our little interview with uh, Dr. Nathan Picar. He's a, a primary care provider at Victory Medical. Welcome, Nathan. Yeah, thank you. It's, Pe- it's Pecker for this segment, though. That's right. It's Dr. It's Dr. Pecker because, because uh, you know, as a urology-based show, having a Dr. Pecker is amazing. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Aim to please. <laughs> I love it. So the first part of our interview, we talked about kind of how you go about checking blood pressure because uh, we know that high blood pressure is a, a very commonly encountered problem that a lot of our male patients are going to find, especially those that are seeking care for, for low testosterone. And I think that along the way, people that are on testosterone replacement therapy are also concerned whether their, their their blood pressure is high. You know, I'd really like to talk a little bit about what blood pressure levels become worrisome and which ones kind of demand treatment. In 2019, they changed it on me. Uh, it used to be 130 over 80. They recently took it all the way down to 120 over 80. So 120 uh, is the top number. We call that the systolic. It's the pressure when the heart's beating inside the arteries. That one I definitely gets my attention when it's a little over 120. 130s is usually when I really get serious about life style and then above 140 on that top number so basically when the pressure of the heart when it's beating is when we usually will start adding on medications doctors and cardiologists don't come up with these numeric guidelines kind of out of thin air. There's not some like secret cabal of pharmaceutical companies that are making these decisions. I mean, these are very thoughtful academic cardiologists, people that I probably wouldn't want to like have dinner with because they're probably really boring when it comes to blood pressure talk. You know, these are people who are coming up with guidelines based upon studies that show that if your number is above a certain level for a certain amount of time, you're going to die early. Is that right? That is exactly right. And I think that's important for patients to know. And so for you, 140, systolic over 140 is something that you're really going to start thinking about meds, but something over 130, you might start thinking about lifestyle changes, right? Just to put a disclaimer out there, this is for a normal, healthy individual. It, it obviously changes with heart patients and diabetics. and Because you're going to be tighter with that control. You're, you're going to be tighter with them. But let's say you're coming in, you're very healthy, 30 to 40 to 50-year-old, uh, no other medical illnesses. Yeah, that's exactly right. Around 140, if they fill lifestyle, I usually will add the medication. That's assuming also they're not showing damage anywhere, like in the kidneys or strain on the heart on, on an EKG or an echocardiogram. Or, you know, there's other factors to consider. Because those are some tests that you're going to do. You're going to do an EKG on them. You're going to check your uh, the urinalysis to make sure there's no protein in the urine. We all, as doctors, like to think about lifestyle, which I think that if you don't give a patient some guidance on what to do, it's just like just being silent. Telling them to eat healthy, some of the most meaningless words that I've ever heard from a doctor's mouth. Because unless you give them a a roadmap or some kind of guideline or even some words. Maybe only one in 20 patients listen to you, but better than zero. That's right. What are some lifestyle recommendations that you give your, your patients? So I, I use a acronym WAS just to try to keep it simple. Great. I was going to die from high blood pressure, but now I'm not. Where <laughs> I was going to have to be on Viagra. Yeah, I, so nice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so the Although du- we sell Viagra. So yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So the uh, W uh, I use to remind patients, first of all, you, you don't want to be dehydrated. So drink plenty of water. Recommend about half your body weight in ounces. So a 200-pound individual will need 100 ounces 
ounces a day. Also, I use uh, the W for wake cycle eating. You don't want to eat for more than 12 hours on a given day on average. Hopefully help keep the insulin levels down and keep your weight down if you can not eat for more than 12 hours on a given day. The A stands for aerobic exercise. I try to get my patients to do at least 30 minutes of exercise every day, getting the heart rate above 120 for at least 30 minutes a day. A stands for alcohol. Uh, zero to one is what I'm recommending for a majority of my patients. So zero is preferable, obviously. Uh, but when you do drink, if you exceed one drink, it does elevate blood pressure over time. Uh, and then S is for small portions, keeping people around uh, 100 grams of carbs a day, not overdoing carbohydrates, because that's where a lot of my patients get into trouble. And the other S is for sleep. Uh, trying to get at least eight hours a day. So we got two W's, two A's, two S's. Majority of my patients will at least do two or three of those uh, and maybe even all six. I think that uh, the, you know, the water is something that I think probably a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of forget about. I love this idea, you know, it's the fad to call it intermittent fasting, but this idea right. that you're only going to eat between eight and eight or whatever, right. or nine and nine or whatever time. And I think that's wonderful. And I, I think that a lot of my patients actually start feeling better cognitively. They actually feel a lot better. And when it comes to activity, you use the brisk walking. I have a, a great friend in town who thinks about it almost like, feel like you're being chased by kind of a, maybe a quicker moving cat that you're trying to get away from, you know, just trying to catch a bus that you're about uh, to miss. And so that's kind of the kind of mnemonics and then for us sleep apnea is a big one so that's part of your sleep almost every patient with a blood pressure over 140 should get a sleep study when lifestyle doesn't work or their blood pressure over 140 what are some of your go-to meds or what are the rule of thumbs that you use on meds because i think that people don't take their blood pressure meds quite like you think they do really okay (laughs) i'm shocked (laughs) surprise surprise there's not a one drug that i'd pick it it really depends on the circumstance uh what other things are going on with the patient. ACE inhibitors, diuretics, calcium blockers. There's a bunch of different categories of meds. They all hit blood pressure from a different angle. In fact, if you do what's called combinations of those two, a lot of times it will control blood pressure better. So a low dose of one and a low dose of another will oftentimes do better than a high dose of just one medicine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the combos come already prepared. So even though it's a combo, it's just one pill, right? That's exactly right. Before there were uh, lots of different classes of blood pressure meds, beta blockers was kind of like the go-to for for a lot of patients. Beta blockers notoriously cause erectile dysfunction. That's right. And so, you know, whenever I see the uh, OL or like metoprolol ending to a blood pressure medicine, I know it's a beta blocker. I always get a sigh of like, man, I wonder what this guy's erections are doing. Uh, and there's a, a newer one called bistolic. It tends to have a little less of that erectile dysfunction. If I do see a patient come in with a beta blocker and they're having erectile issues, I usually will try to switch them over to that. And people use beta blockers for other things besides just blood pressure, right? I've, I've seen people use it for nervousness and anxiety and, and butterflies in their stomach. Yeah, especially propranolol. It's one of the uh, older ones. But yeah, they, they use that quite a bit. And I think a lot of patients that are on it know that it's going to cause potentially some erectile dysfunction, but some don't. So we would kind of like let you know that if you've been put on a blood a beta blocker for many years and you have erectile dysfunction, it may be an opportunity to talk to your primary care provider, whoever gave you that medicine. Now, there are some conditions in which it's recommended that you take a beta blocker, like if you've had a heart attack, right? Right. Yeah, 100%. And so, and so there may be some conditions which you can't get rid of it, but, but there may be some for us. Uh, are there any other side effects from some common blood pressure medicines? I know a lot of patients that uh, have taken lisinopril, for example, in the past and had side effects. Yeah, dry cough with the ACE inhibitors is usually what I look out for. Calcium blockers tend to cause leg swelling. They all can cause a little bit of erectile issues, though, especially if you overdo uh, the dosages and really drop blood pressure. So when you're treating a patient, let's say you've tried a couple of medications. 
when do you have them see a cardiologist and when do you have them do like advanced testing looking for some big cause of their blood pressure that may be un, um, uh, you know, that's being untreated? We have an advanced physical called a HeartWise physical. It does uh, an echocardiogram, stress test, carotid ultrasound, abdominal ultrasound, and a bunch of testing that would be done otherwise in a cardiology office. So oftentimes I'll start with that, have them do the HeartWise physical, look at that data and see if everything's under good control. And if it is, probably manage it in our office. But if there's any signs of damage, I usually will get a cardiologist involved at that point. You know, there are certain tests that, you know, that we would consider screening that are paid for by insurance and agreed to by everyone. And then I consider some things to be kind of like platinum level or VIP level, kind of looking for things to make sure that you're not that one in 10 guy that's going to drop dead of a heart attack at 45. And sometimes that costs money out of pocket. And uh, and I think that's sometimes a sacrifice that some patients need to be aware of. Uh, there's also something called a calcium score patients can do, and it looks for any plaque inside the heart. Um, I know uh, Seton, Austin Radiology, um, also um, Austin Heart. Less than 100 bucks. Less than 100 bucks. And it, it's if, less than an EKG. Less than an EKG. And if, if you have calcium inside your heart arteries, you've already had an advanced something going on in your heart arteries. So at that point, it's kind of a, a saying that you already did have some damage to your heart. And you may not be so willy-nilly about not taking your blood pressure meds or your lipids because you know what guys like? They like numbers. Yes. And the calcium score is a number that we can then track. Mine's zero, by the way. In case oh, fantastic. Wow. I'm, 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 I'm like Thor in terms of my health. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about this subject material. Uh, if you're trying to get an appointment or you want to find a great doctor, Dr. Nathan Papar at Victory Medical, to, to contact him, it's 512 and uh, Donna, why don't you take him out uh, to take us out of this segment uh, by telling us how to get a hold of us? You can reach us at armormenshealth at gmail.com. 512-238-0762 is our phone number during the week. We'll be right back. Dr. Mystery wants to hear from you. Email questions to armormenshealth at gmail.com. We'll be right back with the Armor Men's Health Hour. 